hey, thanks for watching. Uh, whether you're listening, watching, thank you so much for making time to listen. Uh, so we're going to wrap up Be Rich this week, and we're going to be talking about Jesus. I know that's quite the surprise. We talk about him every week. He is central to what we teach, but we want to take a different angle and specifically look on how he taught on how we're supposed to care for those God loves. And so today we're going to be looking at that. Had me thinking back of the versions of Jesus I grew up understanding and even learning about. And so growing up, uh, we would walk into the, the the cathedral for Mass and we would genuflect. And what that means is you're looking at this um, big cross with Jesus on it and he's very bronze. And you just make the uh, sign of the cross in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you sit down and you and really that crucifix was the center of our entire 45 minutes you know, during Mass. Then my parents became followers of Jesus, attended a Baptist church, and it was door knocker Jesus. So I went from crucifix Jesus to door knocker Jesus, and um, he was very pale, uh, really blonde hair, blue eyes, and he's just knocking at this door uh, of someone's heart. And he just, remember, he's a gentleman, so he's just knocking really politely. He's not breaking down the door like a SWAT team. Instead, he's just gently knocking, wanting to come in. And then it was Jim Conviesel Jesus. So we went from crucifix Jesus to door knocker Jesus to then Jim Conviesel Jesus. And Mel Gibson, I thought, really did a really good effort in trying to communicate what Jesus would look like and talk like and sort of build that scenario up in the Passion of the Christ. So those were the versions of Jesus that I pretty much grew up with. We all have versions of Jesus. And maybe for you it was maybe based on your home life, maybe it was based on your church life, maybe for you, your versions of Jesus have changed based on how your life has changed. And others of us, it's all based on culture and how culture depicts Jesus. Even with the best of imaginations, even with Ricky Bobby, uh, we'd all be wrong. We really would be. Do you ever think of Jesus being angry? Because at least the versions that I'm used to, Jesus was not angry. Uh, very happy, very welcoming. The fact is, Jesus did get angry. And he got angry in ways that we didn't get angry. See, he got angry when religion got in the way. We get angry when we don't get our way. I mean, when do you actually get angry? I mean, when traffic, I mean, traffic on 95 is beginning to pick back up again. Uh, maybe the drive through is too slow. Maybe dinner is not what you expected when you got home. Or maybe you had a bad day. Or maybe things didn't go as planned. Or maybe things didn't go as expected. Or maybe your team doesn't win. Or maybe just whiny kids. And maybe there's a combination of, the, uh, of those. And what usually happens? We've had enough. We throw our hands up in the air. It doesn't stop. Didn't go the way that we dreamed, that we expected, that we planned. We're tired. We're hungry. What happens is our anger is usually directed at people. And we won't say this to their face, but look, when we don't get our way, we tell people to get out of the way. So interesting that Jesus got angry for so many different reasons. When he got angry, he got angry because religion got in the way. A lot different than us. And so what I love is Mark writes a biography of Jesus and he's just listening as Peter is telling him stories, inspired, of course, by God and the Holy Spirit. 
and he's writing these stories down. And this is one of the stories that Mark writes. Jesus went into the synagogue again. And this is the second time that he went into the synagogue. And he noticed a man with a deformed hand. Now, most likely he had hand atrophy. Whether the hand broke and it didn't set correctly, or maybe he was born with this, or maybe something else happened, maybe a disease that caused his hand to become this way. What it meant was a few things. One, that meant that most likely he couldn't work. Remember, the economy back then was heavy agriculture. You worked with your hands. So imagine family may be suffering. Maybe the debtors are coming to collect some debts. So there's a lot there. There's a lot of pressure. The other thing is embarrassing. So he most likely kept this thing private. Somehow Jesus noticed. Since it was the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was the day of the rest for the Jews, so it was a day where they honored the fourth commandment. God said, keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep it set apart. Don't work, rest. And so that's what they did during the Sabbath. Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Now his enemies were the Pharisees. And a week earlier, Jesus is out in the fields and he takes a head off a piece of grain and eats it. And they considered that work and they got on to him about it. So with all of that in mind, if he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. So this is really like round two. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Pharisees. I think they had really good intentions, but the execution was pretty impossible. What they would do is they would safeguard any of the commandments. So for example, the Sabbath, keep it holy. What they would do is they would put regulations, they would put rules in place as safeguards to keep you from even getting close to breaking that commandment. So think of it like this. If you ever dieted, um, one of the things that I know for, for, for Jenny and I, we try to maybe keep low on sugar. So um, if we're trying to diet in a way where we uh, increase our protein and, and decrease our sugar and more go with natural sugar, we avoid like Dunkin' Donuts or we avoid Starbucks. We avoid certain places. Why? Because we don't want to slip back in any other pattern. So in this example, if I'm trying to stay pretty consistent with this diet, if I know that sugars, artificial sugars, if I stop at Dunkin', it's going to hurt me, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid it. So what they did is good intentions, but man, the execution was impossible. So they were all about being right instead of doing right. And now they're going to be introduced to a version that Jesus begins to teach on That it is valuing doing right over being right. So Jesus says to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. We have no idea if the man wanted this to happen or not. We have no idea. We don't know if maybe he slipped out his hand a little bit when he caught Jesus' eye. And it's a small, quiet, silent plea for healing. We have no idea. So he goes up front. He does what Jesus tells him to do. And then he turned to his critics. And remember, these are the men who publicly valued God, but they ignore the values of God. I don't even miss that. These are guys who publicly valued God, but privately they ignored the values of God. Knowing that, he gave a multiple choice question. He said, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it for doing evil? 
I mean, this is a question everybody in the room knew. So Jesus is asking this multiple question. Of course, they had bubble wrapped the Sabbath and they knew the answer to this. And then he doesn't give them much, he doesn't give them much time to answer. He goes on, he says, look, is this a day to save life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. Look, everybody in the room knew the answer to it. They would do everything they could. If it was the Sabbath, they would save their animal. They would. Any, anything that they had that would help produce income for them, they would save it. It would came to a family member. They would save them. The question on the table, I think everybody knew about from the week before to this week, everything on everybody's mind was this. Is the law of God for the benefit of God or is the law of God for the benefit of those God loves? And the answer is the law is our benefit. It's our benefit. It's not for God's benefit. He created the Sabbath for us. He didn't create us for the Sabbath. We were created, then the Sabbath. Think of it like this. Um, uh, Jenny and I, um, it, it'd be like this. Jenny and I end up buying toys, and then we had Brooke. That doesn't work, right? Toys are actually, they come after the kids. That would be kind of creepy if we got toys and <laughs> didn't you know, play with them. The fact is, sometimes we get things backwards. Truth is, God created the Sabbath for us to benefit us. Just like toys are the benefit for my daughter, God's law is the benefit to those God loves. But they couldn't let Jesus win. They couldn't even admit that they were wrong. They knew if they answered yes, it meant giving in to where Jesus was going with this question. And they could not let Jesus be right. They had the application of Scripture wrong. And look, for you and I, when we, when we get our application of Scripture, when we get it wrong and it conflicts with the intent of the author of Scripture, we have the wrong application. So how does Jesus respond when God's law is being used to hurt those God loves? He looked around at them angrily. He got angry. And the word for anger is a strong term that means wrath. Another term in other places in the New Testament. But notice this, and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Peter is trying to tell Mark, Mark, he was so full of emotion that day. He was so full of emotion in that moment. He was angry, and yet he was sad. These were men that were willing to do everything they could to be right instead of doing right. They were willing to do everything they could to publicly say they value God, but they ignored the values of God. He's like, look, Jesus was angry because they were not willing to admit that they were wrong. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. Now imagine what's running through his mind. Maybe he might just get his life back. He might be able to go back to work. He may be able to pull off and push off and maybe hand block the, the debtors. Give his family some peace. He's able to get back to work. And so he held out his hand and it was restored. He did it again. What Jesus asked him, he did it. At once the Pharisees went, at, went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. What happened is they bumped into a version of faith 
that took away their control. And look, Jesus' version of faith takes away our control. I think for some of us, we want control, but yet we don't want personal responsibility. We, we want to kind of sort of control how we live this life and then have the benefits of the next life. And that's not how it works. That's not Christianity. Like we want God to forgive us of our sin, but yet when it comes to us hurting someone else, it's like, no, God, if you forgive me, I'm good. And I'm okay with not making that relationship right. For some of us, we want a faith that makes us accountable for how we treat God, not others. And y'all, that's not Christianity. That's paganism. That's no different than what the, the, the religion of Greek and Roman it just not at all. It's no different. That's paganism. What it is, is it's a formula. What it is, is it's, I'm going to appease these gods so that I get something out of these gods. Here's the deal. Look, the gods did not like, they put up with people and people knew that. I mean, there was no relationship building. There was nothing like that. The gods just put up with humanity and I don't want you to miss this. In response, you begin to take up the characteristics of the gods you follow. And when they put up with you, you begin putting up with other people. That's how you begin to view other people, just like how they view people. And for some of us, we miss out on what Jesus is really communicating. There's times where he taught, if you're standing in a line and ready to give a sacrifice in the temple, and it's a long line, get out. And make that relationship right and then come back in line. The fact is, is what we do horizontally really does impact what happens vertically. Back then in, the, in that religion of either the Greek or Roman religion, there was no religious morality, man. You just had to keep the gods happy. Look, when we live as Christians and we try to live like this, man, we're fooling ourselves in a lie. Jesus didn't get angry when he didn't get his way. He got angry when religion got in the way. Jesus got angry when religion valued being right over doing right. Following Jesus takes, our, takes away our right to being right. Hey, listen, here's the, here's the good news. When you're doing right, you're right. You are. When you're doing right, you're being right. Because God determines what's right. At summer camp, <laughs> someone, and I won't mention their name, uh, went up and did something to Brooke. And I caught it in the corner of my eye, called them out. And immediately they said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I get back to playing? I said, no, I need you to come here. So he comes over to me. Yes. And I said, look, what did you do? Knowing very well, I knew what he did, but I wanted to see if he was going to be honest enough to tell me. He ended up telling me what he did. See, here's what I need you to do. I need you to make that relationship right. Huh? I was like, yeah. Here's what that means. I need you to go over to Brooke, and I need you to apologize to her for what you did. I said, I'll give you a little hint. Here's how it goes. Brooke, I am sorry for... And you fill in the blank what you did. And then, awkwardly, you stand there and you wait for them to either accept your apology. 
and hopefully she will. And then I need you to come back and see me. Can you do that? So I'm watching this, and he just <laughs> goes over, and he says, and I can hear him, Brooke, I'm sorry for, and he tells her what he did. She says, I forgive you. He comes back to me. He says, now can I go out to play? I said, no, not yet. So I need you to sit down. I want you to think about what you did. So here's the deal. He came to me. He was seeking my forgiveness. He didn't offend me, but he offended my daughter. He hurt my daughter. I'm asking him to make it right with her. See, in the end, I think sometimes we get so focused on trying to get it right with God when we hurt other people, but yet we avoid that personal responsibility and needing to make it right with them. Hmm. See, Jesus' invitation is to follow him. And what he's saying is, I want you to do for others what you saw me do. I, I want you to do for others what I ultimately did for you. I want you to do for others who won't or can't do for you. See, the religious leaders were so successful, but they had no idea that his death and resurrection were the ultimate example they hated most about him. It was his ability to give his life away. The reason why we do be rich, y'all, is it is a way, it is something that we do collectively that we all should be doing individually. And that's what we love about this. It, we express our love for God by caring for people God loves and expecting nothing in return. We are committed to living a faith that values doing right over being right. And by doing right, we are being right because God determines what is right. So hopefully this week, you are inspired to go out and love the Berg like we enjoy saying. Nicole always says that, and it's great that she says it because it's a good reminder to all of us that that's what we need to be doing wherever we are. And look, there's multiple ways that you can do this. Our host is going to explain to you what that looks like now. Guys, before we go, I want you to let you know that I love you, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example that Jesus is to us. There were people who needed your help, and Jesus, you showed us the example to help them. You had a guy in this story who needed help, and you had the goods, you had the power, you had the authority to help. And Father, there are circumstances, there will be situations this week that we will have the opportunity. We at times may have the power. We at times may have the resources. We at times may have the authority to help. So remind us to be like you. Help us. Remind us that following you is not about being right. It is about doing right. Help us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.